on the Riabu podcast today, we are tackling legal letter templates. Now, I'm sure if you've been in business, you've been selling to customers for a while. In the past, you might have looked at uh, the collections process and thought, these people aren't paying on time. I have to issue a legal letter. In the past, you would have possibly contacted a lawyer who would have then drafted a document threatening the customer with all sorts of overdue interest or court action unless they pay. Nowadays, of course, you can go online and download those sort of letters from the internet. There are multiple sites where you can purchase for a subscription or individually the sort of text that you might like to use on your customer. Now, I'm here with Simon Littlewood, who of course will tell you that if you're getting to a stage where you have to send letters like this, not only have you left it way too late, not only are you unlikely to get paid, not only are you likely to lose this customer, but quite honestly, there was a whole lot of stuff that you could have done long beforehand that would have meant such letters were just totally unnecessary to begin with, Simon. Yes, and uh, I mean, if you draw a pie chart of the time that you spend with a customer, you know, communicating with them directly or indirectly. How much of that time do you want to spend discussing whether or not an invoice has or has not been paid? And how much of the time would you like to spend discussing the features and benefits of your product, whether or not they'd like to buy something else, and how happy are they with your service? Well, the answer is that if, unless you manage receivables right, you may well find yourself in a world where most of your customer interactions are of a martial nature, and, and, I, and I don't say that lightly because it strikes a me that martial nature. Well, yeah, to do with fighting, because right. it, because in, you know martial nature is Mars, the god of war. It's it's anything to do with fighting, because the moment that a customer is significantly late in paying you, and you're saying you're late, you haven't paid me, there's there's you there's no way to have a positive tone to that conversation, and not only is there no way to have a positive tone to it, but it's going to affect the temperature of all of your future discussions with that customer or client. Um, unless, of course, you decide to just ignore it because you're so keen to get the business, in which case you'll end up in a mess because you'll end up losing a lot of money and not being paid. Um, so yes, to come back to your first suggestion, you need to recognize that the fact that your customer has already got to a point where you're having to think about sending legal letters and things like that means you've let it go on way too long. Yes, indeed. And that's when you send one of these. Can I just read this to you? This is just mm -hmm. two, two paragraphs. Uh, and I'm certain that on the internet you can come across all sorts of templates that sound very similar to this. Notice of overdue payment. Our records indicate that payment on your account is overdue in the amount of blank, right? You fill it in. If the amount has already been paid, please disregard this notice. Now, what's wrong with those two sentences to begin with? Um, well, First of all, you should know whether or not your customer is paid. So, you know, you're sort of saying, well, we're not too sure what's going on, but we're going to send a threatening letter just in case you owe us a few bob, uh, in which case, you know, cough up. Hmm. Um, I mean, this is a classic case of not being on top of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, and being prepared to risk upsetting a customer because you're not on top of stuff. Yes. It goes on to say, if you have not yet made the payment, could you please update us on the status of the payment at hand? And one of the things you do advocate is that you do actually call the customer and check on the status 
So is there anything necessarily wrong with asking that? Well, there's question? lots of things wrong with this letter. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't need to have it in the first place, but just ignoring that, say you allow yourself to get to this point for whatever reason, there is insufficient information. It doesn't have an invoice number on it. It doesn't say when the invoice was produced. It doesn't say what the amount is that's supposed to be paid. Uh, you know, let's say this is a customer that does a lot of business. You know, maybe they have hundreds of suppliers. Well, they're not going to instantly know how much they owe you and from what date. Yeah. And not only are they not going to know it, but by the time they figure out what it is that you're chasing them for, there's a very, very significant probability that they'll find out that there's something wrong with it or some piece of information. You and I talked about this a lot. Most of the time that you don't get paid, it's because you leave a window open. You leave an opportunity for your customer to consider himself ethical, but to sit on his money a little bit longer. Yes. Okay. So. Critical details. By the way, yeah. I have a story to tell you because yeah. obviously over the years uh, in, in my business, I've also received letters where people have said, oh, you, you still owe us this money. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay, let me take a look. Anyway, long story short, there was one company, very large, uh, well-known, uh, uh, let's call them a transportation and courier company, of which there are, of course, dozens all around the region. And they sent a letter, with, in, in essence, a letter like this, right? Notice of overdue payment. But they didn't include the account details. So I'm very happy to pay because the amount was relatively small. But if you want people to pay you, then wouldn't it pay you to actually put the account details? I mean, in the old days, and as you know, I'm very, very, very old. I mean, well, this, is, this is a podcast <laughs> and you can't see me, but I've, got a, but I've got a gray beard and I walk with a stick. So, you know, I've been helping customers get. In the old days, when a letter of this kind was sent, and by the way, it was a mistake even then, uh, there would be a little form at the bottom which you could take to the bank and pay in with your check, of course, we don't, because it would say what the invoice was and how much it was and all of those, to make it super easy for you. Also, also you could put a remittance in the post, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, those kind of things don't apply anymore, so you need to provide the detail that the customer needs to be able to. The most likely detail that you need to provide is some kind of customer reference, because if they, let's say, for example, they haven't found your invoice and there's a genuine reason why they haven't paid you, saying that they owe you X is not really going to help them, is it? You need to reference the order number, the date of the whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about this, uh, we've written about this, Mark. Um, the idea is that you close every loophole, you provide the customer with every single detail, and when you get to a situation like this because you've allowed things to go on too long, you provide them in that one spot with sufficient information for them to be able to, tr to immediately identify the transaction and find out why you haven't been paid. Yes. Okay, here's another fun letter. Um, payment of overdue something, something, something. I'm not sure whether they're asking for invoice numbers or, or, or amounts. There are three blank fields. Anyway, we refer to our blank, presumably letter, on blank, presumably date, and on this date and on this date and on this date, the amount is now well overdue. A late payment fee of blank, has been applied in accordance with our terms and conditions. The total outstanding, including the late payment fee, is now blank. Please make payment by blank. You can transfer the amount to the following bank account number. Well, that's already a start. If you fail to make payment by the state, we will stop further credit to your account and reclaim goods in accordance with our contract and refer to the account to a collection agency for recovery and refer the account to our lawyers and refer the account to lawyers to begin legal action. 
Wow, I mean, that's, there's quite an assembly of weaponage there. Mm. It's, like, it's like going to battle with, you know, with a bow and arrow, a sword, a spear, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and remember, this person that you're doing battle with is your customer, right? <laughs> the so one that, who you've been wooing and yes. won, you know, took a long time yeah. to win over. And I mean, on that front, because that's a very good point, you know, it's much easier to retain an existing customer than it is to win a new one. And this is a very good way not to retain an existing customer. I mean, the first thing is, why have they not paid you? And, and do you know why they haven't paid you? The second thing is, um, let's say for the sake of argument that there's a reason why they haven't paid you. Immediately threatening them with further costs, i.e., you know, uh, late payment. No, this is the final demand. I yeah. mean, presumably you would use this templated letter at a time that you've already tried a few other things. Possibly. Or possibly not, or possibly the customer is so furious with the fact that you've repeatedly chased him for items where he's made. He stopped. Very often, when we go in and we talk to a to a, to a company and we say, they say, well, "We're being paid late. We don't know what to do." And we sort of delve into it a little bit. We find that they have been making or have been omitting the same things with the same customer for a long time. And what happens with customers is a customer says to himself, "And I've done this." I think we've well, all done this. They, they, they can't be bothered to, 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 to sort it out. Well, I have told them a couple of times. I'm not in any hurry to tell them because at the end of the day, if they can't provide me with an invoice that I can pay, well, I'll hang on to my money and wait for them to come and sort it out. You know, I've told them a few times. And then if they start, if you then start saying, well, I'm going to come around your house and stick a spear in you or charge you, <laughs> charge you an extra $50 or send a bunch of lawyers around to, to repossess your lawnmower or whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever on earth it is, mm. right? Uh, you know, that's not good. I mean, they're going to be angry. I mean, they're going to, they're, you know. Um, and then you have to backpedal. In, in fact, if you're the one sending this letter, you have to backpedal. And when you realize that, oh, there was a problem with our product. Well, and you've got one uncollectible transaction, and you've now created another one by adding a further cost. I'm not a great believer in late payment fees. I'm not a great believer in payments for, in, in, in discounts for early payment. The business of getting paid on time is, this is what we're going to provide you with this is what you're going to pay us for it and these are how we're going to manage this is how we're going to manage that transaction right from the very time that we take the order you know we're going to define what it is we're going yep. to define you know what 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 the reference points we need in order to be able to recognize and so on and so forth all of that is doable all of the behaviors that have led you to this point where you're having to threaten the customer with death and destruction, which is a terrible situation to be in. Uh, all of the, you know, they all occur early in the relationship, and it was down to you to make sure that they're right. I mean, the customer is not going to, he doesn't have a department, you know, called making sure we pay all our suppliers as quickly as possible. You know, there is no such department. There's, yes. a, there's a payables department, which will, by and large, process a transaction if it satisfies all their criteria. Mm. If it doesn't, well, as we've said many times, it goes to the bottom of the pile. Yeah. Um, and they may reluctantly, if you actually ask them politely, divulge what it is that you didn't do or did wrong, you know? Yes. Um, but aggressively going down this path, I, I, do, find it, I do find it extraordinary. And I, I'll just say one other thing, because the other day, and I don't want to get myself into trouble, um, I, I, went, um, I went on a panel at a conference which was talking about a, a new kind of software, which was all about how to fine-tune your collections letters. So it was kind of like this, only it was like a super complicated set of algorithms where you could produce thousands of follow-up letters with varying degrees of rage, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of automatically and, and with the minimum of, and wasn't this a good idea? No, no. 
I mean, the fact that the, any discussion on receivables is about the volume and intensity of letters that you send when you've already been paid late means you're in a world of failure and you're in a world where the whole modality of your customer relationships is deeply wrong and you're, you're very likely if these are customers of goodwill and some of them if not all of them will be on the basis that you probably you know, fail to do something you've got then a problem where you've got a bunch of people in your in your company chasing a transaction which can't be paid because of something that was or wasn't done you've got another bunch of people in your commercial uh, team who are talking to the same customer trying to get them to take more of the same product and uh, or another product or you know and time and time again I when I eventually persuade a client who's asked me for advice to go talk to their customers and put in the room the buyer and the person that pays the invoice all of this comes out and they all kind of look rather although they sit in the next office to each other they kind of look at each other rather, rather sheepish, sheepishly I'd like to buy from you Mark but Janice here, who works down the corridor in the payables department, says it's very frustrating because all your invoices are late, all of them are wrong, they never have the, cust they never have the right customer number, they never have the purchase order number, and quite often the prices are wrong. And we have told you repeatedly, and yet we continue to get them. So I really want to buy from you because you have a great product. But, but um, yes. you're making it very hard for me. Yes. You know, you'd be surprised how often those kinds of discussions occur. Yeah. So before we look one f at one final letter, one final question about these so-called Dunning letters. Mm. Would you concede that even if you've done everything right, it's never going to be 100% watertight? There is always going to be somebody who slips through the net, the Riabu net, I suppose, mm. um, who despite loving them to death, still haven't paid and they need a letter like this. Yes, I mean the idea is to keep that to the manageable minimum and to ensure that the customers that are allowed to slip over due for whatever reason are not big ones. So we've talked repeatedly about the nature of concentration, sometimes called the Pareto. Uh, Pareto actually goes back a, a long way. It's actually referred to in the Bible under a different terminology. Mm -hmm. um, but in essence, um, it means that 20% of your customers or thereabouts will have 80% of the money that is owed you and 10% will have 50%. So, so you'd never want to send a Dunning letter as they're called. If you've allowed one of those 20% of customers uh, who, uh, who, who are responsible for 80% of your, of your sales and your receivables to, um, to get to a point where you're yelling at them, because that's kind of what you're doing, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's the equivalent of yelling. You might as well put this in caps. Uh, right? Then, you know, that's not a good situation to be in. I mean, generally, when I'm advising clients, I say, it's best not to yell at anyone. So try and get things <laughs> yes. right in the first place. But to the extent that you are sending pay me or else letters, make sure you don't send them to a critical customer, you know, because there's huge commercial implications to that. Yeah. So dunning letters per se, I mean that's the generic term, generic British term for, for chasing, chasing receivables. Mm -hmm. Dunning letters are only appropriate in extremis and they're only appropriate for your small and less important customers. If you're sending them often and if you're sending them to very large important customers then you are in trouble. And everything you do in your order to cash cycle should be about managing the relationship so you never get to that stage. And the fact that so much of the discussion about receivables is about either borrowing money to plug the gap because you can't get paid on time, or chasing 
chasing. I mean, that terminology in and of itself, you know, chasing, the customer has escaped and you're chasing them <laughs> <laughs> to try and get them back into the fold, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, the, well, that leads me to think of the shutting the stable door kind of job, right? So yes. the, the idea is to deal with them while they're still in the stable, if I, if we, yes. if I could not use that Mix very, very tortured metaphor. Yes. Um, I mean, we all love our customers. Make it easy for them, you know? Yes. Give them what they need. And then all your, all, your all your interactions with them are positive. Yes. You know? Well, even as a, as a customer, how often do I get invoices which are simply unpayable? No, no bank account details on them, no date, no invoice date, right? So you want to send the, you want to send the amount through, through your internet banking, and then it says, you know, uh, refer to what, right? What is the message you, see to, you say to the receiving bank? You don't have an invoice number. So how does the recipient know which invoice you're paying when you don't have an invoice? Anyway. That's it. You'd be surprised how, how common that is. It's terrible. And, uh, yeah. one, one final letter here that I wanted to bring to your attention, because so far the, the two previous letters that we talked about were about um, you know, chasing for payment once it's already due. Here is one letter uh, which is slightly different. It is a request for credit terms. Now, I know you're big on credit terms because having something in writing before the relationship starts then allows you to keep the customer to those, let's say, 30-day terms. But a request for credit terms? This letter says, we have considered um, uh, oh, wrong, I'm looking at the wrong one. Th this one says, <laughs> I beg your pardon, this one says uh, that you want to establish credit terms. We have been in business with you since X date. During this period, we hope that we have earned your trust and confidence. Uh, at this point, I wasn't quite sure. Is this a letter for the vendor to send or for the customer? But never mind. We have been always prompt with payment, and at this time, we would request for credit terms for future transactions. Okay, so this is a customer's letter, sending this letter to a supplier. Yes. We would be glad to meet up with you to discuss these credit terms. We look forward to building a long, viable relationship with you, blah, blah, blah. So is it really up to the customer to request credit terms? Well, it's a negotiation, isn't it? But the fact that they're now saying we want credit terms might suggest that they currently have cash terms or terms without credit. But, I mean, there's two types of transaction, let's be very clear. There's the one where you pay right there and then, like going down the supermarket and buying, you know, a uh, pint of milk and a, well, it's, we're in Singapore, so it's not a pint of milk. It's a bag of rice and a, um, and a, and a skinny chicken with its head on. Um, and, um, and you pay there and then. And you pay there sense. and then. And, the, and if, you use, if you use a piece of plastic, the very late, latest that it's going to go out of your bank account is probably in one day or two days. Um, for businesses, however, that offer credit, and there are situations, commercial situations, where a business-to-business -business company might say, well, you're a startup or I don't know you, so I'm going to start our transaction, start our relationship based on transactions where you either pay in advance if you're really worried or you pay us as, you, when you, as and when you receive the goods. Yeah. That letter suggests to me um, that it's a situation where there isn't credit terms and they're asking for there to be credit terms. But mm. I would question I would question whether it makes sense to actually send it. I, my view is that if you want to change the nature of a commercial relationship with a supplier, then it's much better if you do that face-to-face, -face, even if it's done by Zoom because you can't meet them. You know? Well, my, my concern also with this letter is that it suggests that it's up to the customer to ask for credit terms, whereas the Reable methodology is all about a proactive relationship that the supplier initiates, right? Yes. That where you go to the customer and say, we would like 
to put in writing what your credit terms are, rather than waiting for something untoward to happen, where later on we then have to go and fix it. Well, I think it's, it, it, the, the point really, uh, I think, that we make, uh, Mark, is that whatever the credit term is, it needs to be agreed in advance by both parties in writing. And if, for those of you who are running small companies, we have a very simple template for you to do that. The important thing is that it's, that it's defined, and it's defined clearly, and it's defined uh, at a level that both parties are comfortable with it. If you haven't had a credit terms discussion, or if you've had one and it hasn't been written down and agreed to, then you're immediately at risk of the customer paying you when he or she feels like it, because he or she can say, well, you know, this, we haven't agreed in writing what it is that you want me to do, right? Um, th in this day and age, for companies, particularly perhaps small companies who have liquidity issues, to negotiate a longer credit term, that's perfectly legitimate. Um, but I wouldn't do it like this. Uh, it's reactive. Yeah. Um, it's not particularly professional. I mean, again, it was perhaps getting slightly off the track here, but to the extent that you're going to renegotiate supplier payment terms, focus on the big customers who are seriously going, the big suppliers, sorry, who are seriously going to influence your liquidity. So if, I, if I'm buying from a bunch of suppliers and I'm having to pay them all and I'm struggling with liquidity, I need to go to the suppliers from whom I buy the most and negotiate additional terms from them. Apart from anything else, they're the ones that are in a position to kind of insist one way or another. And again, use the Pareto. You know, 20% of your suppliers will deliver 80% of what you subsequently buy or sell. Um, and for that, go and talk to them. Make sure you've got a good, really, I mean, there's lots of things you need to do. You need to make sure there aren't any recurring issues, you know, and, uh, you know, or you don't have it. You know, if you have a history of late payment and you're going to go and negotiate further terms, that puts you in, and that's surprising how often this happens. I go to a company that's getting paid, paying late because it's run out of money and they're saying, well, can't we ask our suppliers for additional terms? And I say, well, frankly, they'd be nuts if they gave them to you because, <laughs> because, because you're not meeting your existing terms, right? Yes. So, you know, the first thing is, establish a basis of trust. And when we, when we inter in interview that um, referee, uh, Bill, for our, for our book, one of the things he said was that in addition to making sure he got paid on time, he made sure that his, his suppliers could rely on timely payment according to the terms. What the terms are, you can negotiate. But in business, whether you're paying a supplier or getting paid by your customers, we all need to live in a world where people do what they say they're going to do and where we create the conditions for them to do that. Otherwise, life becomes hard, you run out of money, and companies go bankrupt. If you have your own story of uh, dunning letters, uh, maybe you've found a way to get your customers to pay uh, with them. We'd like to meet you. <laughs> It might be, it might be the, uh, the exception that proves the rule. Uh, drop us a line at uh, service at briabu.com. We're always interested in your stories of how to make sure that you're always first in line to get paid. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Mark.